Many of you are aware that I record these intros on a week-by-week basis, and so it felt pretty unnatural for me to release an episode without at least mentioning the racial tension in our country, the rioting, the murder of George Floyd, and so I just wanted to make quick mention of that. I was thinking about very profound thoughts that I could share and some wonderful insight that I could invite our listeners into, and it hit me like a ton of bricks that I have people in my life who are way more equipped to do that. And so I am gathering many contributions from many of my friends and friends of friends, and I will be releasing an episode allowing them to speak about all of this next week. So thank you for listening, and here's today's show. Listeners, it's your friend back up in this thing and welcome specially to my my southeast brothers and sisters it's another hurricane season we've already had two named storms are you kidding me and the daggum season hasn't even officially started yesterday morning i see pop-ups talking about we're being hit by a tropical storm the thing was formed right on the east of south carolina i mean what are we gonna hurricanes are gonna start popping up like tornadoes now my gosh so I was thinking about progressive theology recently. We've been talking a lot about it. It's what we talk about all the time, honestly. And I just wonder if those of you who are not on a similar journey as I am, if you see me as someone who has made decisions to be where I'm at, like I'm going to change how I think, change how I believe. I'm going to become more relevant. I'm going to make certain amends so that my beliefs are more acceptable and and that sort of thing. Because honestly, when entering this journey of, we'll just say it, deconstruction, it was super uncomfortable and scary. But I felt at a certain juncture that if I don't if, if I don't maintain honesty with where I'm at and let this thing go where it needs to go, then I'm always going to be scared. I never feel like I will be honest with myself, honest to God, or anything like that. And the faith that I had would just be this fabrication of, well, I believe this way because I'm supposed to believe this way. And my goodness, I feel like letting go, maintaining these questions and letting them go where they need to go and not in a frivolous. Here's the thing. It never was this frivolous. I don't really care about God. I'm going to do my own thing and think my own stuff. And no longer am I going to submit to a higher power. It was the complete opposite. It was God, you see where I'm going you hear my thoughts or you see my thoughts you're you see me you see me clearer than i see myself stop me if i'm going somewhere where i shouldn't be get me back on the track please i'm asking you don't let me go in places where i don't need to be going and if anything i have felt god's presence and his guidance and his direction. Now, see, that's not to suppose that those of you that are not on a similar journey are not seeing God clearly or hearing from him clearly. Joey is, and you're not because you're not changing. You know, I kind of think about that quarter, you know, the quarter of a dollar. You hold it up, and if I'm facing it in one direction, but I'm telling someone to look at it on the other side, 
we're gonna describe the same quarter but have two completely different descriptions. What if God is like a quarter with a million sides? That's not to say that everybody can have their own truth about God. It just means what if God is so freaking big that all of us can only see a portion and the portion that we see is kind of based on how we're wired up or maybe based on what God is wanting to reveal about himself to us. Hmm, maybe God is so big that this thing is pretty complicated. But here's what I'll say. It's been a big deal for me in the last couple of weeks to actually experience this. And I know that you can go all over the place with, well, you don't really know what you're experiencing. I get it. I know that. But I can tell you this. It's not fabricated by me. If it is, it's very involuntary. But I can't describe it any other way that for the first time in my life when I have a feeling of, am I not doing enough in life? that whole guilt thing. Am I not believing enough? Am I thinking about things I shouldn't be thinking about? Am I not helping people enough? Did I do enough in my day? See, these are the sorts of things that I picked up through Catholicism as a child, early childhood, and then in my majority of middle school, high school, and young adult years being in Pentecostal churches, not to knock on any of those, but just to say I picked up a lot of to-do list mentality and if you don't do the list you got a lot to be afraid about and for the first time when I have these feelings I literally feel it's almost like I can see whatever can be seen I can almost see the fact that I am perfectly secure in God's love for me and I can't describe it any other way than this is that peace that passes all understanding. This is the God of love that I've always believed in. And for the first time, I'm seeing it a little clearer. So that's really a big deal for me. I wanted to share that with you. We have Nate Henry coming up on this episode to talk about Nephilim. We all love that subject and so many of us love it because it feels like a NASCAR race. You're just looking for those humongous wrecks. I don't feel that way at all. I actually think that there are some very valid considerations. And I think if we look at scripture close enough and slow enough, we also see the very logical approach that the narrative Nate Henry paints for us today is you enjoy that but before we go there jory micah john mark mcmillan and myself are continuing a conversation that we started a few weeks ago and today we kind of focus in on the intolerance and patience and fundamental religiosity of many in the extreme progressive theology camp much love to everyone Thanks for listening. Yeah. Well, even like even some of the fundamentalist ideas of the restoration of all things, or that God's going to make all things new. What does that mean? It means that we're obviously headed in a direction. 
I mean, right. I guess. Well, I guess it depends on who you talk to. Some fundamentalists just think it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Finally, it's going to get so bad that Jesus is going to come through the clouds on a horse and he's going to slay all the bad people with a sword. And you know, but I don't see that narrative in Scripture. Like, I see the other narrative. And we're, we're, yeah, you know, I want to. Yeah, and and I want to be, and I think there's a little delay. If it sounded like I just cut you off, sorry. But I think that. I want to be kind to fundamentalists too, because I understand why they are the way they are. And and here's the thing, and that sounds so condescending. I don't mean it to sound that way, but they are taught. This is how you see scripture. This is how God wants you to see scripture. This is the right way. And if you start to get out of this, then you are not being faithful to God's word. You are going to mislead other people. And and the Bible is inerrant. Everything that it says is, is perfectly said. They're not taught any other way. And, and so, you know, a lot of the, the flack that we are probably indirectly giving to fundamentalism, let's also take into consideration that it is what people are brought up in. And, 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 and there's almost like, and, and, but Joy, I mean, I agree, it's unhealthy. I mean, there's like a, there's a fear of stepping out of bounds. But I also get why a fundamentalist would hear this conversation and just be like, oh, you guys just aren't being honoring to God's word. Like y'all aren't being faithful to God's word. I mean, and, and, and and even write us off. (laughs) And to be honest, like I was, I was probably very fundamentalist myself in a lot of ways growing up, you know? And so I probably have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about it, you know? Like I'm definitely still like, you know, like getting, I'm still deconstructing. There's that word again, where it's like, you know, I'm just blown away by some of the things I used to you know, and I still beat myself up over, you know, I just, I feel like fundamentalism teaches you to beat yourself up every single day, you know, and it's just exhausting. And I, my, I know I sound probably tough about it, but my heart is that people would, would know that they don't, they can still love Jesus and leave fundamentalism behind. And I've met so many people that, have told me that they've done that and it's the scariest thing in the world you know because it does become cultish in a way and mm-hmm. I'm not saying that in a condescending way but it does and, and it gets scary to leave and everyone makes you feel like awful if you leave and your I mean I have women that follow my ministry that their families will not speak to them because mm-hmm. they left their fundamentalist you know even though they're strong Christian leaders you know, and doing right. working in the church and writing Christian stuff, their parents won't speak to them. So I just I I speak out of a heart of you know, there's freedom on the other side, and no, life's not perfect on the other side, but there's definitely freedom, and there's there's you know, more peace and less shame, less guilt. Yeah. 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 Let me let me tell. So this is this is going to be a a tough thing to hear. But but follow me. I was after I I, I did an interview with uh, the friendly atheist. He has an Indian name. I'll mess it up as Hemat Mehta. I think his name is really, really awesome guy. I love the conversations I have with him. But he has a website with with stories like this. So basically an unnamed father who goes by the initials J.K.H., 
was radicalized in 2015, according to court documents, after watching YouTube series from independent fundamentalist Baptist preachers, and they're named. Um, one of them is Anderson, and of course has a long history of saying things like, if you executed the homos like God recommends, you wouldn't have all this age running rampant. He also said the U.S. government should execute homosexuals by way of a firing squad because that's what the Bible commands. His statements wow. have gotten him banned from 34 countries. And the other guy is no different. After nearly 50 people died in the Pulse nightclub massacre, he said his congregation that the real tragedy was that not more of them died. So the guy that was, he was a father going by JKH. He was completely, I guess, smitten by these guys and was convinced that they are telling the truth and they are right. And he adopted those beliefs for himself. So his wife, the, uh, the, the two were separated and the mother would get to, basically she, she wanted that sort of toxicity to be far away from her kids. And so she actually took them to court, took him to court and the, the, the court decided that the mother would get to make all religious decisions for the kids, not out of religious discrimination against the father, but because the kids would become social outcasts if they adopted the views, you know, hateful people. And it's her job, according to Canadian law, to make these kind of decisions solely in the best interest of the children. I say all that to say, what if the wife was on the same page as the husband and they raise kids that hate gay people? I just want the progressive line of thinking and people that are ex-evangelicals to recognize that people don't get where they're at by just the snap of a finger. They don't just decide to be a certain way. Now that doesn't give anybody an excuse whatsoever, but I actually saw this happen on Twitter. I saw a guy say, Hey, I'm doing a podcast and I'm really exploring a different way of seeing homosexuality because I've always been brought up to believe that they're totally in sin and all of that. And I'm wanting to hear some more progressive thought. He immediately got hammered by progressive oh. ex-evangelicals that basically <laughs> mocked him, told him how, you know, if, if, if you have to ask these questions, I mean, right. how ridiculous are you? Yeah. And and so I am just, I mean, there, there was a big thing that happened on, on, on Twitter with Michael Gunger. I don't know when this episode will come out. It could be old news, but I am just so shocked by how fundamentalist the extreme evangelical crowd is. It's like they are creating, it's like they're creating a fundamentalist religion that offers no grace to people. They're not loving. They have their club. You're either in or you're out. And it is, it's, it's appalling uh, to say the least. And, and I just feel that how have they lost sense of, of love? Like, oh how, right. Well, I was thinking about that today probably for the same reason you're thinking about it. But as I was reading it, like I felt sick in my stomach reading these responses. And I was, I was like, where do I recognize this from? And I remember when I was a kid, I used to enjoy going to my church, but I would go to my friend's churches sometimes and I would feel creepy, you know? And my church was so laid back. It's more like family, you know? But I realized like it was because if you didn't do everything perfect, 
It's like you were going to get stomped on, you know? And and as I was reading like the Twitter battle or, uh, uh, you know, with, with Mike and I was like, I feel the same way. Like if you don't do everything, if you don't apologize correctly, you're going to get stomped. You know, and and that's not really speaking to because I really didn't listen to the episode. I don't know much about it, you know. But like I know it was about, um, you know, weight. And like I've been a big dude my whole life. And I was like, these people don't speak for me. I was like, I I really don't. I really. I was like, I don't need this kind of defense. You know, like I was like, it just. I don't know. I don't. I don't really. I, I guess I shouldn't say too much because I haven't actually listened to the episode. I haven't gone deep. But I just thought like. When a person can't even apologize right, I was like, you're doomed. You're just right. absolutely doomed. Like, there's nothing you can do. It just felt so much like growing up in the self-righteous South where you think the wrong thought and yeah. you're going to get stomped on, you know? Yeah. It, was the same, it felt like Jory, the same spirit the same to me. the same kind of stuff? Say what? Yeah. I was just saying, Jory, do you, do you pick up on that same sort of thing? Because I would imagine you're kind of... Uh, and I would say in many ways I am too, but I would imagine you are very much so wired up with that sort of progressive justice oriented bent, which I think most of us should be leaning into. But do you also see just the abrasive yeah. lack of love and lack of patience for people to to, to yeah. move from point A to point B? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been on the receiving end of it, so I know exactly how it feels. It feels like an army's coming after you, and and I'll give you an example. example. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dead serious. A Twitter army, that is. Um, But I'll give you a good example. Um, Several years ago, I wrote my first article for Relevant Magazine. And I interviewed um, Zach Hogue, Rachel Held Evans, Sarah Bessie, and um, well, I forget uh, oh, I forget her name, but an older white woman theologian. Anyhow, that was before I understood that where you live in a you know if you want to be in the position to fight for equality, you have to be inclusive of every all the different races and as best as you can. Well, I didn't know that. I hadn't progressed to that way of thinking yet. You know, in my head, I just wanted to get my favorite people out there. And I didn't really even know a whole lot, any, a whole lot of people of color at that point, which was another of my bad. Like, I'm not saying I did it right. Um, you know, looking back, I wish I would have included more people of color in it. And that's the way I would do it now. But Oh my goodness, you would have thought I wrote the nastiest article in the world towards someone's mother. Like, it was, I mean, I was just tore to shreds to the point where I was actually bawling my eyes out. Because I was yes. new, I was new to all of that. You know, right. this, this was a while ago. And, like, I mean, I was bullied by that extreme progressive crowd. You know, it's not it's it's not all progressives you right. know no, there's I agree. a lot of progressives that that I stick with that are more grounded I think but there is like a I don't know if it's like and I think maybe some of the ex-evangelicals are like that but not all of them of course I agree. some you know that are really cool but there is there's this far, far and it's almost like 
there, there's like anger, there's extreme anger. And yeah, yeah, you don't want to be on the receiving end of that crowd. And, and I've have been there and it sucked. Um, I certainly learned my lesson though. Right. <laughs> Say that. Right. Like I'll never, ever, ever make that mistake again. And, and, and just so I'm hearing correctly, it was because you didn't have people of color represented in the article. Right. They were furious and, about it. And, and I mean, my thing is... And it was mostly white women that were upset about it, to be honest. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and I mean, my response would be, okay, maybe your article would have been more fuller and more complete, but... What is wrong? I mean, what what's wrong with surveying five white men about something? Do you, do we have to discount everything that they're saying because there's not another another voice? Now, obviously, I think the more we move into, I mean, I think we're we're pretty set with with like more women leaders. I think everybody is more open to that. But but people of color and all this stuff. That the more we have, the better. But I just. I mean, so am I going to be grilled for not having a, a, a black person as we're talking? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like, what's wrong with yeah. hearing what John, Mark, and Jory has to say about stuff? Right. Because, I mean, I, you Well, know, and I another thing is I, uh, something I thought of this morning where people don't understand sometimes. I've never been asked to do an interview with a woman and let, does a podcast. And I know there are some, but it, I don't think as many women do podcasts as right. men do podcasts, in my experience. And so it might be more difficult to find a woman. And that's part of our culture. We haven't do, we haven't empowered women, you know, but I, I feel like, you know, we need to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, you know, you asked a woman to come on here today. Like, let's like see that instead of the fact that there's not a person of color because maybe you couldn't find a person of color or maybe you had a person of color last right. week or you know so i i think there needs to be a balance like like i said i learned my lesson and i progressed in that area and i started listening and i started doing better um but they they kind of ruined that moment for me to be honest yeah and, yeah totally they took away all the joy of the excitement yeah. And, and, and there are some people of color that I want to have doing these sort of, I mean, I have people of color on the, on the podcast regularly, but doing these little conversations, there are people that, that I want to have. But I, my question to you, Jory and John Mark, what would be wrong with Joey saying, you know what, having John Mark and Jory Micah on here, I think that would kind of be some cool dynamics. Like I kind of know just a tad of, about both right. of them. I think it'd be a fun conversation. Is there anything wrong with that? Like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, I think you have to look at your podcast as a whole instead of right. just each episode. And you need to just, you know, we we probably all need to do better to get outside sure. of our boxes. You I like know? that. Yep. And, yep. and I want to make it clear that it's not mostly people of color doing the complaining or the bullying, you know, in my experience, I don't want to say that people of color are out there saying I should have been on your blog or right, I should have been. Right. A, that's not what's happening. What's happening is the justice warriors of that far yep. mad group, you know, are mostly white people are taking up those causes, which, you know, I respect and I, I really do respect. But there is a way like they could have I could have learned the same lesson from them without them ruining a special moment for me sure mm. sure 
Totally. Right? And there's just a better way to do things. Like anger, like I think feels righteous in the moment to the person who's expressing outrage. I'm not against outrage. Certain things are outrageous and they need there needs to be some outrage, right? But I think certain people take the posture that the more outrage you have, the better qualified you are to speak on a on a subject. All right, we are here with Nate Henry. Nate and I, man, we're we're best buds. We've we've gone back decades, man. I know you better than I know anybody. <laughs> now, nah, man, we've we've talked a few times. I think there's some fondness mutually, and it's good to have you on here to to talk about some stuff. So, I want to tell our listeners. So, I got a text message from you that basically said, "If you ever want to do a Pastor with No Answers podcast on Nephilim, gods of nations, giants, etc." I'd love to do it. Been down that rabbit hole for the last six months, and it's been completely life-changing for me. And I'm not going to read my responses because it'll it'll just take so long. But what you wrote, I think, is just a good starting point. You say, basically, there's a biblical explanation for Bigfoot, aliens, etc. But in order to have that conversation, it all starts with Genesis, Noah, Tower of Babel. I also think we could talk about the UFO religions gaining momentum as the church refuses to really participate in an overarching spiritual worldview. And uh, yeah, so super cool stuff. I'll tell you that my brother, it's funny, Nate Henry's on the show and we haven't heard his voice yet. What's up, Nate? (laughs) Oh, I'm right here, man. I'm right here. I'm I'm following along. Oh, totally. I just felt bad. I was like, I haven't uh, let Nate say anything yet. No, that's fine, man. You uh, got to set it up. Yeah, my brother, he gave me this book by Chuck Missler, and I had no idea who Chuck Missler was at the time, and it was called Alien Encounter, and it was one of the best reading experiences I've ever had because I didn't have any context for the book other than it was going to be about, it was nonfiction, it was about aliens, but I didn't know, I, I did not expect it to be a Christian book because the whole first part of the book basically went into history of aliens and UFOs and abductions and all that stuff. And I seriously, when it got to the second half and I was like, oh my gosh, this dude's like connecting it to the Bible. I was like, oh my, wow. So it was super interesting, but just some things that really caught my attention and I totally understand a huge chunk of our listenership is like, what the hell is going on right now? But a few things that caught my attention was Missler said that going back historically with all the UFO sightings and abductions and all of that, he said you literally, and I don't know the exact numbers, he said, but you can literally whittle away 95% of them by, oh, that dude was drunk, that person was lying, that was an airplane, just BS written all over it, but he said there is that 5% that there's no explanation for, and he also goes on the record to say that a lot of the people that came forward in explaining what they saw or what they experienced lined up with other people's experiences going back decades before modern day time, and, and there was no way to corroborate that that store the sort of narratives that they were giving and 
those narratives being something along the lines of aliens being very interested in sexual reproduction, very interested in minimizing or or dis, discounting the concept of God altogether. And then I think even more interesting for me was caves and caves findings of artistic depictions of of ufo crafts and and all of that we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago look exactly the same as some of the stuff that people are drawing now what they have seen so all that to say when i read that book for the first time i was completely 100% thinking this is the reality. I believe all what this guy is saying about the book of Genesis and how it applies today and the Nephilim and all of that to the point where I was actually surprised, (laughs) and this is funny, but I was actually surprised that it was an outlier point of view. When I started talking to other people about this, I realized that most of Christianity was like, that is the most ridiculous thing ever. Here's what the Nephilim were. This is ridiculous, Joey. What are you talking about? And so I'd say that I, I went through, you know, pretty impressionable person. And so I went through a season where I was just like, gosh, well, then I guess maybe I'm on the fence. And then I got to a place where I'm on the fence and I don't really care. And I'd say where I stand right now is I don't think it's completely off base. I don't think it's ridiculous because of the stuff that I've read from from really legit people. I completely understand why people think it is the most preposterous, ridiculous garbage that they will spend the next hour listening to and, and laughing at. I totally get that, but I don't feel that way at all, and I guess I just don't know what I think. I don't know what I think. Yeah, I mean, first off, I would want to say that like these aren't these aren't the answers that I went seeking to find. Yeah. Like a lot of people, you know, like especially in the Bigfoot community, they literally go looking for this, the answers they want to find. And I've seen a lot of friends do that with other theories. They believe that there's this Christian evolution hybrid and they go to conferences and they literally pursue the idea that evolution, God used evolution in creation, right? They're looking for that answer because they already kind of believe that it's true. So they are trying to, to fit it into their worldview. This stuff came out of nowhere. And I was like, for you, wow. you're saying it yeah. came out of nowhere yeah. for you. Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's, I wouldn't say that it's, I would say that it's just difficult to believe, but it doesn't, but it all makes sense. Logically. If you yep. really, if you go, if you open up this can of worms and you go down this trail, you're like, Oh, it makes sense. There were so many weird questions I had growing up. So my little bit of my history, I grew up in the Southern Baptist church in California, kind of weird, but I did. Uh, you know, my dad talked about the end time stuff a lot and it was just really conservative, kind of fundamentalist a little bit. Then I went to like a different Baptist school or uh, sorry, I went to a like kind of Baptist driven private school from elementary school to till senior year. So I literally was in church six, seven days a week. It felt yeah. like. So I knew all the stories of the Old Testament, the Bible, all this stuff. Just in the it's just ingrained in you. But there's so many weird questions you have growing up like, okay, what really happened with Noah? What, what, what happened with the, the Egypt and the gods of, of Egypt and the weird stories of like, you know, the staff eat, turning into a snake and eating the other snake? Like, what did that stuff really happen? You know, just weird stuff. And you, you're a kid and you're like, you know, and I'm, I was always a little bit more on the creative side. So I was like, what? Wait, let's go back to that story. What are you talking about? Wait, did that happen? Right. You know what I mean? And it just gets glossed over and people just keep going. But if it was like a, 
a mountain of evidence for evolution. A lot of my smart Christian friends would be like, oh, dude, let's dive into all that weird stuff and really get the bones and put it on the table and say, look, evolution's true. You know what I mean? So it's just weird that there's certain things that are on the table and some things are just not on the table. This can't go on the table. We can't talk about this. It's too right. weird. Right. I mean, you have fundamentalists and you have traditionalists saying no, and then you have the progressives saying yep. no. Nobody yep. wants to talk about it. And it's right. like, that's just dumb and weird to me. And I think right. that's because it... it it just pokes at things in the mind that says this world is not what you think it is. Yeah, and I and I'll go on the record to say that I am on the fence with whether or not I believe that the first I I, I don't know if it's eleven chapters, uh, whatever of Genesis, Noah, Adam and Eve, and all of that. I'm I, I'm not sure how much of it is allegorical, given just how the creation story, for instance, is is straight up poetry. So I'm not even sure what I believe by that. And and I do want to tell our listeners too, this there there will definitely be some some pushback and and critiquing near the end of this episode. I've got some questions that I want to challenge Nate with. But man, I, I, I this stuff this stuff is fascinating to me. I mean it really is well first off first off here's here's some good place to start. All ancient texts say the same stuff. All of them do. And they didn't really find a lot of the like, you know the the, the early theologians didn't have access to like the book of Enoch and Mesopotamian texts, but like Genesis from my understanding is a, is a direct writing that the, that the, the biblical writers were trying to address the Mesopotamian story. And so they used uh, the, the language that the Mesopotamian w- culture was aware of, you know, their creation story. So early from my understanding, the ancients all believed that the, the gods, multiple gods came down, gave humanity knowledge and other things and then but then the god of israel yahweh was different he was superior to all them so you had this polytheistic understanding of the world and then you had this monotheistic understanding and those 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 uh words didn't get coined till later on right i think 1700s or something and so it's it's but monotheism up until that point was not a thing right wasn't everyone pretty much yeah polytheist well you, well, you either believed in gods or you believed in a god that okay. is the domain that, that literally is the god of gods. I mean, it says that in the Bible all over the place. God is the god of gods. It's not, it's not a, that's the way the biblical writers thought about the world and understood the world. And so if you go back to like the Epic, epic of Gilgamesh, which is like the second oldest religious text in the world, it, it has a creation story and a flood story and everything. Sounds exactly like the Bible, but it's 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 more that the, there was multiple gods involved in their creation story. So when you when you say the creation story, for instance, was similar to the Bible, are we saying a garden and two people, just not named Adam and Eve? You have you have gods coming down, making creating the world, giving humanity knowledge, setting them up, and then you had this sort of fall story, this kind of like where things got screwed up, and I think that. That's in the book. That's in the Epic of Gilgamesh. They even have like um, these giants that are involved, and that's where things get weird because the Bible talks about the giants, the Nephilim, and that that that's that's Genesis six. So that's when you start to hear about that. And I, you know, I, like you know, just having my mind open. I, I I I'm a fan of the Bigfoot podcast, several of them, and then a bunch of pastors kept coming on and dropping that Nephilim word, and I'm like, wait a minute, I grew up in the church. I've never heard this before. So that kind of set me up to be, my mind was ready to hear other things, and I was kind of in the room 
I wasn't down the hall into, into the back bedrooms, but I was in the house of like, okay, my mind is open. Tell me, tell me something about the Bible that I've never heard before. Yeah. And yeah. dude, and it was like, whoa. Like, and I think for a lot of listeners, your listeners, they just haven't even been, they, they, they don't even want to drive down the street, get out of their car and walk to the front door of, of different ideas. Right. Right. And then, and I, I actually am surprised every time there's a public discussion about this, you do have uh, a, quite a few less, less than the majority for sure, but quite a few people that are interested in this and do find it plausible or actually believe in it. But does it bother you? Does what you just said, does that bother you that a lot of people just think that what you are saying and what you will say on this episode is complete ludicrous nonsense? Like, does that bother you? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's human nature to do that, right? It's human nature to, to, to think, you know, like we think, we think smart people are people that are saying things that we already agree with, right? So when someone says something you don't agree with, they're stupid, they're uninformed, they're not educated, they don't know what they're talking about. But you literally have to go through like a scientific uh, method to drag out all these old texts, compare them to the Bible, and I'm just saying ancient texts are all saying similar things. So th- that's the way the ancient world saw the world. Now it's just an interpretation. Are the gods here to help us or are the gods evil? Right. Because the Bible talks about gods, not, not God. The word Elohim is like uh, Hebrew for like the like mammal of spiritual world. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not solely talking about God. It's talking about other spiritual beings. You know, but God is Elohim, but not all Elohim are God. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's lowercase, uppercase, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, now, to, to, to you, as someone who believes in the Bible, does other similar narratives that are just as old, does, is that not threatening to your faith at all? That the Bible, as we used to see it as very unique and standing on its own two legs now we see that there are other just as old depictions of of creation like does that bother you well i think you need them to give context so say you and i were writing a book right now and we're talking we're just writing a book we think the next maybe 50 years people are going to read this book right you're like okay i went home I, i was writing on the computer and then i was talking to my wife blah 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 you wouldn't spend four chapters explaining what a computer is would you right this is what the Bible writers did. They dropped words like Elohim, Nephilim, you know, Raphaim, uh, <laughs> just these weird words. And then they just kept going because right. they under- because that's people understood those things. You know what I'm saying? Just like we would understand iPhone, computer, hard drive. You know what I'm right. saying? If we were to drop those things in, we wouldn't waste any more time explaining them. And I think that's the problem. So you have to go back and eat, read all those ancient texts and say, okay, what the hell are these things? Yeah. What are they talking about when they talk about Nephilim? What are they talking about with giants? What are they talking about when, uh, you know, and, and you have the, the Mesopotamian text and Egyptian text and the Bible and even non-canonical uh, things that didn't make it into the Bible. But what They're a, all saying the same things. Yeah, what about old JC, though, when he comes around teaching and having influence, why would he have not brought oh, attention does. to this? He does. Right, I mean, we'll, he says he says in Matthew, "I'm gonna I will return the day when when it's like the days of Noah." I mean, he says that they, they say the disciples ask him, what, what, "When show us the signs?" And then there's that whole thing that all the fundamentalists kind of created their end times theology off of, that was like 
20 verses of him saying, you know, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, all that stuff. He, he says before that it'll be like the days of Noah. Yeah. And I think, what's he talking about? Right. So if you go all the way back to Genesis, you have Genesis 3, which is the traditional creation story, right? And that's what most Christians just stop at. So their, their spiritual worldview stops at Genesis 3, and they kind of limit it. You know, it's kind of like in this box. They won't read Genesis 6. They don't know what to do with Deut- Deuteronomy 32, which is like the Tower of Babel stuff. And so they have this like, you know, 10% spiritual worldview, and 90% of it just lives in this modern-day reality. Um, and, I, and I think you can't, exp- you can't explain like the overarching message of the Bible if you don't have a spiritual worldview. I think it's right. really confusing if you don't. It doesn't make any yeah. sense, honestly. You have to throw out a lot of things. Yeah. Like now, the ta- whole Tower of Babel, the, then— The Israelites and the Egyptians— that- yeah, and the Tower of Babel initially talked about in, in Genesis, you're saying that Deuteronomy circles back or something like that? So Deuteronomy uh, talks about how God assigns nations to lesser gods. It says, you know, um, I, I, can, I had it pulled up here, but it's trying to explain that there's a Deuteronomy 32 worldview, 8 and 9. It says, when the Most High divided the nations to their inheritance, he separated the sons of Adam. So... According to like other ancient texts, there's the story, and, and Deuteronomy supports it, of when humanity didn't want to follow God. He assigns them to lesser nations, which I think is why we have these megaliths all over the world. We have these ancient civilizations that we don't know how they built the stuff. They don't know how they got there. They, they see ancient technology, and it actually can be supported through a biblical worldview that there was a time when lesser gods ruled over every nation according yeah. to the bible this in deuteronomy 32 and that's where a lot of the spiritual worldview christians support this idea that there was a and the, and jesus is reclaiming the nations cuz david often says that in the psalms lord rise up reclaim the nations bring the nations back what's he talking about you know right. what i mean right he's talking about that you know the 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 pyramids are definitely something that it it bothers me when I talk about the pyramids, and, and, and I mean that in a lighthearted way, it bothers me, when people are like, well, just just Google it. You can see how they were put together. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. You really think that men were able to accomplish something like that, given how heavy each block is and just how precise measure? I mean, I just, it's, it's crazy. That's, and that's kind of what you're talking about as far as, nothing of the sort when it comes to the sort of thing that you're proposing it's just all off the table and and for me when you look at the pyramids that's the most logical explanation is something supernatural going on yeah and, and people and people see that and they go to the church the church is closed minded they go to their friends their friends are closed minded so guess what you know ancient aliens is on its like 12th 12th season you know what i mean it's got a huge following of people and what they're doing is they're they're saying look at there's so much evidence. If this was something in a science book, we'd all be like, it would be, it'd be something we'd teach to our children. Yeah. Yeah, like right, stonemasons well, don't us, know. Take us on a journey here. Te- okay. give, give us a snapshot as best as you can, starting at Genesis, wherever you think is a good starting point, and, and, and just kind of giving, uh, like I said, summary of all of this. And, and Okay. <laughs> And, and basically just what, what's got you excited and interested in all of this. Well, 
Okay, so what's got me excited is there's finally a sort of a, na- a loose narrative. It's almost like someone set up some electrical fence and said, okay, here's the idea. Here's the story that fits inside of this. Now, whether you believe it or not, that's another thing. But I had so many questions growing up. And starting in Genesis 3, so according to the spiritual worldview, there's three falls of man. There's Genesis 3, which is the traditional garden story. And then there's Genesis 6, which is the sons of God mated with the daughters of man and created the Nephilim, which are these race of giants. And if you just go in your Bible app, pull up the Bible Bible app, type in giants, there's literally so many verses about the giants that you literally, you sit there and you'll scroll through them and read them and be like, what's going on? Why? <laughs> and there's also newspaper clippings that they've dug up giants all over the world. And yeah. And they just kind of get buried and pushed aside. Um, so there's the giants of Genesis 6. And it's very casual and it says they were there before and after the flood. So somehow they survived. But this is probably why. So this is why God destroys the world. And here's what I want to throw out. A lot of my progressive Christian friends don't know what to do with the Bible because they think it's talking about mass genocide. God is this vindictive God of the Old Testament killing people. But what if... They are not actual human beings. What if they were races of evil giants, hybrids, created by these fallen angels? And we all go, man, that's crazy, because we don't have this world. We don't, we don't think that this is the way the world could, could have been set up. It's, it's cool that there was one God who had a son who came down and died for us, rose again, and then ascended back into the heaven. That's cool. Well, we start talking about other stuff. That's just weird. I, I, <laughs> that's a good point, man. You know what I mean? Like, so here's the thing. Noah, the Hebrew word is that he was untainted. Right. It wasn't that it, what, we were told Noah was sinless and God fell in favor in Noah and put him on the boat. And saved yeah, that's contradictory to everything in the Bible is someone being sinless. Yeah. No, Noah was untainted. Noah didn't have half blood. He wasn't a, 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 a giant. He didn't have any of the evil blood in him. This is why I think, a lot of people think, why is there so much emphasis on bloodlines in the Old Testament? You have Noah to Abraham to David to Jesus, and you have the whole lineage laid out. Well, it would make sense if there were non-human beings going around, and you had to really point to the fact that Jesus was full human, born of humans, here for humanity. And otherwise, if we're all human... I don't care about a bloodline. Do you care about a bloodline? If there's just humans everywhere, what does it matter? Right. Yeah, I could see where people care personally about their lineage, but other people caring about your lineage, who you know, who who cares? But, but before, what, ma- what does it matter? Proceed, what Jesus? Yeah. Sorry. Right. Before we proceed, were, are you insinuating then, for instance, when all women and children were basically sentenced to death by God, telling His children to slaughter? In Canaan, for instance, you're saying the all Canaanites. those bastards, Canaanites, they're, they're all giants? They're like, all giants. Yeah, in Numbers, it says the Canaanites were so, some of them were so big that they were waiting in ambush that they made, the, they made the Israelites look like grasshoppers. That's in Numbers. You can literally Google that. So they literally looked, they were literal giants. Jack and the Beanstalk. It sounds crazy, but that's in, <laughs> it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible that people just don't know it's in there. They right. don't know. I didn't know. I had no idea. Right. All right. So they, they initially arrive on the scene when the sons of God come down and mate with the daughters of men. And yes. the, the product is Nephilim. And that's what basically gets God 
on the whole flood the earth deal because well, it's he, just pure evil. Yeah, you have evil. So they were doing genetic experiments. They were messing with creation. And right. that's what a lot of people believe the abom- abom- abominations were actually like messing. I thought with you were going to start creation. talking about Barack Obama just now. <laughs> Obama. Obama was saying, no, like, like literal abominations are, are a sin against God's creation, right? So God creates the world. He creates humanity. And then here we have these hybrids. So and- all the people that were wanting to get on the ark were, were hybrids. Noah and his family were the only untainted I'm not sure about that. Right, I mean, obviously, right. that, that's where the, that's where like the theological debate I think sure. needs to happen is like. But I think you have to set up the framework of like, look, the Bible makes no sense if you don't if you don't acknowledge the characters in the story. Right. If you're gonna like watch, if you're gonna watch Harry Potter and and, and not it, 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 you know say that Voldemort didn't exist, then the whole story just doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, and that's what I think we do with the Bible. We just eliminate these weird characters. We don't we. God has an entourage. He has a spiritual entourage. There's not. It's not just us and him. You know what I mean? There's all right. kinds of multiple spiritual beings that, that are in, in and out of the Bible, and you have to look at all these things to kind of understand, okay, these, there's, there's something there. And, and it's true with the opposite side. You know, you have demons, and they're all the way up. So demons, if you want to go back, they're not even – they're supposed to be the dead spirits of the Nephilim. The, the, I'm sorry, the, the spirits of the dead Nephilim, and they're wandering the world looking for a body. Now, what, what about, and I think I've heard the explanation for this, but I forgot, is there a difference between the spirits of the Nephilim and the third of heaven that was knocked out of heaven, given the boot? Yeah, the, the abyss. So Jesus talks about that. Remember when he cast out the, 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 the demons and they, they go into the pigs and they they say, I think their name was Legion, and they say, don't throw us into the abyss. Yep. That's where the angels that sinned against God creation are being currently held. They are in the abyss, the underworld. And Jesus, in that passage, it's referenced, you know what I mean? So he doesn't throw them in the abyss. He throws them into the pigs. They take off, and then there was, everyone was pissed at him. But supposedly the abyss is like under the underground or in the middle of the earth or somewhere. And the angels that sinned against God's creation, which Peter and Jude talk about in the New yeah, Testament. Yeah, I was just going to say Jude, yep. Yep, they talk about that in the New Testament. That's where they currently are. And the weird thing about Peter and Jude is they reference the angels that sinned, and that's nowhere in the Old Testament. That's only in the book of Enoch. Yeah. So here's what I'm understanding. Here's what I want to say. Old Testament writers read everything of the day. They knew every book that was written. They weren't stupid people writing, writing on tablets they knew what they were doing, and they knew what they were creating, and it all made sense. They knew the Book of Enoch. They knew the, the, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Because the Book of Enoch talks about the Epic of Gilgamesh. So they knew these other texts. What I'm saying is, like, if you were to write a literary, if you were going to write some The Grapes of Wrath, you would have to have written, I read all the other great literary works of the day to write something amazing. And they all knew. Right. And they referenced these little things here and there. So there's... There's not this fear of we can't read anything that's not in the Bible. You right. know what I mean? They don't have that fear. They're not right. worried about that. They're trying to they're trying to support their ideas about the Yahweh, the God of Israel, by understanding what everyone else believes and supporting the Bible. Say no, this is what you think is true, but this is actually true. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like they're trying to get more people to understand that Yahweh is the one true God that actually. Sure. Is All right, so. So what was the original purpose or strategy 
for the sons of God mating and creating Nephilim? Was it to keep the lineage of Jesus from happening so the Son of Man can't arrive? What that's, was the point? I think that's why there is a lot of war. Um, that's They were trying to exterminate Israel. They were trying to exterminate Jesus' bloodline. Um, so they were like, hey, let's create giants, then we'll really kick some ass. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, it, I, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but here's the thing. It's all in the Bible. <laughs> it's in there. Now, it's not totally explained, but you can pick up major points from other texts, too. So I'm just saying, like, you have, the, you have this, this world that's super evil, and I think that's what Jesus is referring to when he says he will return when it's like the days of Noah. When humanity starts doing genetic experiments, when we start trying to do things, it's crazy. And we start trying to take the DNA, manipulate it, create this world stuff, weird stuff, and then it just got to the point where it's pure evil all the time. So giants wow. historically were drinking the blood of people, eating children, sacrificing children. I mean, you're talking pure evil. So it would make sense that the Israelites were commanded to kill these things. If they were just bad humans that we didn't that we ideologically didn't agree with, then yeah, God is a vindictive genocide pushing overlord. But that's right. not that's not the world that was living back then. It was literally pure evil. That's that's such an interesting observation in that I'll just propose this as a possibility. So Long, long, long time ago in the days of Noah, people were way more open-minded to gods and that sort of thing because it was just way more obvious for some reason. The culture just, that was just assumed. And so demons or sons of God coming down and mating with the daughters of men, that was, I'm not going to say a super normal thing, but people would look at that and be like, oh my gosh, you see what's going on? Like gods are actually having sex with women and look at the result. Whereas now something like that, no one, no one has their mind engaged or a lot of people don't have their minds engaged in that sort of thing. So it's like the second try is let's do this through mankind and technology where everybody accepts that. That's, that's pretty interesting. Well, we have different technology than they have, right? So right. we build we build electronics, right? But like you said earlier, they we don't know how they've moved these hundred thousand or hundred ton, you know, I, some of them are so big that multiple cranes couldn't pick them up today. These rocks, <laughs> but so just Google stuff. it, man. Just look at look at the simple <laughs> machines that those Egyptians use. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we have this idea that like we're as smart as humanity's ever been, right? right. But here's the here's the. Here's the story of the ancients believed. And I think what the Bible writers were trying to convince the pagan nations. Look, these gods are here to destroy you. They're teaching you weapons, how to make weapons. You think we just learned how to mine metals and do all that? No, we were taught. How do you build these ancient megaliths that are, that, that are unexplainable? These gods taught them how to do it. Like these fallen angels, the ones that were, you know, like that came down and, and messed with creation. So they taught us this knowledge to kill ourselves. That's what the Bible writers are trying to These people are trying, teaching you ways to ultimately kill yourself. This is why sin is a big deal. It's not because God's wrath. It's because it's literally killing us. It's it's like poison. It's, right. it's, it's against us. So we, at one point, were immortal creatures, right? All, human, all humans were immortal creatures. Then sin brought death into the into the situation not immediate death not the wages of sin is i'm going to kill you right now you're going to hell 
No, death enters in. Time begins. You know what I'm saying? So we enter into this, this, okay, we all have a clock now, and it's winding down. And there's a problem with that, because this isn't how we were created to be. And so you have to kind of start from there, and then you realize the world is just so bad, so uh, so evil, so terrible. So God literally tries to re- hit the reset button on the Nintendo. You know what I'm saying? Let's just start right. this over. And Blow in the cartridge, squeeze it, and all of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just start it. So, and, and, you, and you, if you listen to a lot of these these people who are open minded, even scientists say that it it looks like these ancient civilizations and all over the world, these megaliths were just went extinct overnight. They don't know what happened to them. They just disappeared. Well, what do you think? Well, if a giant flood comes and everything's buried, and the only thing you're going to have left is these big monuments made out of stone. Because stone's going to sit there. You know what I'm saying? It's not going right. to get moved. So it's just, there's so much evidence. It's like, at least look at it. I get that you might think, oh, this guy is crazy. This stuff is crazy. And for me, if I hadn't have been listening to probably like six or seven years of Bigfoot episodes on various podcasts and just getting in my mind to where I was like, okay, people are probably seeing something, right? Then it was like, oh, man, there's something out there. Right. And then it was like, well, what is this thing? Right. And then it was like, oh, this thing has some supernatural abilities. People like can feel it. They get mind speak. There's all these weird stories surrounding it. So it yeah. takes years to get your mind into a place where you're like, okay, I'm going to read Genesis for the first time as a, I'm 39 years old, right? right. I don't care anymore. Because like I was saying earlier before we started this podcast, I went through this near-death experience with Lyme disease. And it was just like, look, I don't, I don't understand life. I don't understand reality. I don't understand existence. The older you get, the more confusing everything becomes. But when someone like says, "Hey, what do you think about these ideas?" and you know, you know the backstory and your mind's open, you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like yeah, like that explains because because the more progressive my Christianity was getting, the more I had to throw the Bible out the window. It was right. like the Bible. Oh, this doesn't explain these. It basically, the whole, the whole Old Testament doesn't make any, any sense. The more progressive my Christianity was getting. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was was at for the last seven years. I was kind of getting more and more liberal, thinking more and more outside of, of the text and getting out of church and just kind of going, well, I'm a I'm almost a millennial. I don't need any authority. I'm gonna make I'm gonna figure this all out by myself. Right. And I think right. that's where a lot of people are. And I think that you know, they've got science in their back pocket along with, you know, this loose understanding of Christianity and they're just kind of making it up as they go along. And I'm like I don't care. I just want to know what what, what happened. What's the answer? Right. I'll give you some answers. I, I don't want to understand the, the, the spiritual cosmos, but give me some answers to this stuff. Why right. are all these weird stories in the Bible? Right. And maybe and they're our, not maybe they're not weird. Yeah. And our very first step is a belief in a God who always existed. Now, I do believe out of all the different options, an eternal universe or Big Bang or something, an eternal God does make the most sense, but we can't even wrap our minds around that. Like, that is beyond our understanding. And so these sort of discussions, for me personally, I don't understand when people who believe in an eternal God would say, this is so ridiculous, This there's no chance of this, like that sort of dialogue. I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, yeah, everything is kind of on the table here, but let me ask you this. Well, We have this highly rational way of, of seeing existence, right? It's almost overly rational. It's almost like, you know, if, if, you know, you see people with the political Democrat and Republicans, they're just, 
it's almost like you look at their posts and, you, and it's just this one constant stream of thinking and you're just like, God, like that's how we kind of view the Bible. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we, we have this one fixed, firm understanding of it and then we just kind of regurgitate it over and over and over. It's just, it's like, no. So, yeah, so now that Jesus came and apparently kicked death's ass and won the war, so to speak, Reclaim the nations. Ex- exactly. So now that that's happened, what is the evil team trying to do now, and how are they trying to do it? So a lot of people believe this is what the book of Revelation is talking about. Ultimately, this is their. they think this is their dominion. This is their domain, right? So here, let me just explain to you, like, how bigger Jesus is to this story. One, like— the Old Testament doesn't really lay out Jesus the way that we think it does. It's more cryptic. It's not specific. And I think that's because, if, you know, Paul says in, in the New Testament, had the, had the uh, rulers of the nations known, they would have never crucified him. What is yeah. he talking about? And what else is Paul talking about? Nations, thrones, powers, principalities. What the hell is he talking about? Right. You know what I'm saying? He's talking about the gods of nations that ruled over the world. He's talking about these 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 entities, these kings, thrones, powers, dominions. He's uh, above and below. What the hell are you know? Either Paul smoking crack, smoking weed in the bushes, writing all this stuff down, or he's talking about something specific that everyone understands back in the day. Right. And, and I think you get little glimpses of that in the Old Testament. But so supposedly in the Book of Enoch, Jesus. The, the, the watchers, the Nephilim, descended from Mount Hermon, the same place where Jesus goes for his trans, transfiguration, which is what a lot of ancients believe is Jesus' greatest miracle. He, goes, he takes a couple of his disciples, goes up the mountain, and then basically turns into this ball of light, starts shooting light out of his body. You remember that? Yep. What the hell was that all about? You know what I'm saying? What's he trying to do? And then he says he goes and teaches the disciples he has to die. Some believe he picks a spiritual fight with the gods of nations like hey here i am on on your mountain where you came down you think you remain you think you own this place well boom i'm gonna light up right now and be a freaking firework to piss you off so you will kill me which will be the literal undoing of all your power like we we don't realize the, the bible teaches a way better story than star wars yeah. and we and we know the world of star wars way better than we know our own bible you know what yeah. I'm saying? But it's a yeah. way better story. And this is a lot in like little things like the Book of Enoch, which is supposed to be this voodoo witch evil book. And it's like, wow. Yeah. And in that also doesn't when Jude talks about the the two op- opposing forces debating over the body of Moses, isn't that read in Enoch? Is that where Jude refers to? I yeah, think? Jude Jude and Peter are the are really the, the main um, New Testament writers that reference things out of the book of Enoch. Yeah. So, so which, is, so, which I only bring up to say, look, if they read the Book of Enoch, then don't be afraid to read it yourself. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, they, I always find it, it funny. I always find it funny when people don't want people to to find any sort of guidance or truth from some of these extra biblical books. And I and I understand where they're coming from, but I'm like, the Bible quotes one of these books. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. And if you don't have that context then you're not going to make any sense of it. And I, and I think a lot of people don't, 
don't realize. And, and guess what? They didn't find the Book of Enoch until the Dead Sea Scrolls. What that was right. that 70s. So you have all these theologians for thousands of years don't have access to this weird stuff, and they're all trying to d- interpret the Bible with no context. So like you know, Augustine, Luther, Calvin, all these guys are right. They're trying to make sense of the Bible the best they can. But then we discover these ancient books, and we're like, oh, well, maybe that's what they're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's not. It's not that. It's not rocket science. It doesn't take uh, someone with you know a PhD and thousands of hours of study to try to give you a real loose understanding of what the Bible's talking about. You just have to go, okay, well, what did the ancients believe, and what do we have access to? Right. So at the beginning of the episode, when I was talking about the corroborating stories of ufo abductions and all of that you you definitely give that demonic explanation so demon demons uh demonic activity just to just to throw it out there first yeah, demons are low on the spiritual food chain they're the they're the spirits of the dead nephilim so think about it you have the sons of god mating with the daughters of of a man they were they were banned to the abyss right they're locked up and then you have these nephilim that roamed around for who knows how long, 50, 100 years, and they die, and then their spirits are still wandering because they're what? Half spiritual beings, right? Gotcha. So so a potential timeline would be Lucifer says, I want to be God. He gets kicked out of heaven along with a third of the angels, and those angels are the ones that ultimately tried, that mated with women on earth. Yeah. And they were thrown into the abyss, abyss for doing it, but they created Nephilim, and then when the Nephilim were destroyed, there you have demons. Yeah, so so that there you you know you you kind of understand that like there's a there's a whole world spiritual world that we we have to name the characters of, like and I'm just kind of the last six months really diving into this and trying to figure out okay just l- lay out the world of Middle Earth, right? Just Let's go back and lay out Middle Earth from like a Tolkien, ancient spiritual, you know, kind of uh, metaphor, right? Yeah. Give me all the characters. Give me the trolls. Give me the give me the giants. Give me the elves. Give me all these characters, and then make sense of this story, and then I'll decide if I want to believe that or not, right? Right. So I'm just open minded to say, let's let's connect everything in the Bible together. Let's make sense of this thing, and then at the end of it, you go, that's ah, too crazy for me to believe. Fine, but at least it makes some sense, right? right. At least when 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 we have all this story of bloodlines and the, the gods of Egypt and the pyramids and all this stuff. So when when it comes to aliens and stuff, I think it's just a non biblical explanation of what's going on in the world. Right. It's just right. like we don't we don't have a belief in God and belief in gods and nations and believe in spiritual high power, but we do have this this these alien abductions, these views of these these crazy ships flying. So we're just going to kind of create our own religion around that because we right. have and some physical evidence of that. And so who who's doing the abducting and the flying of UFOs? Are those basically demons, the product of Nephilim being killed and so basically the souls of Nephilim? Um, well, the souls of Nephilim are the demons wandering the earth, kind of trapped in purgatory. You and know fly- what I'm saying? Oh, so they're not flying UFOs no, and abducting no. people. So who's doing that? that could be the gods of, uh, of different fallen angels. You know what I'm saying? So like different spiritual entities, because you have the gods of nations and, and that is Deuteronomy 32 talks about that. 
Yeah. And then you have, and the, ne- the Nephilim were created in, in Genesis 6. So they were just around for a while, and, they, and then they just got exterminated because they were actual physical beings, you know what I'm saying? Like actual yeah. giants, so they were, they were killed off. And, um, and, you, and you can see evidence for that in even Native American folklore of them, right. of them fighting it and then burying them in these ancient burial mounds and then finding giant bones in North America. I mean, they're all over the place, bro. Yeah. And it's weird. But, but then, you know, um, when it comes to aliens, I think you have to kind of have to, to realize that, like, perhaps these, these spirits are – it's 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 so complicated that like we don't probably don't know exactly what they are, but I but I think there is a biblical explanation. They could be part of the the same crew that was trying to destroy the world from the beginning and creating their own, you know, their own small empires around the world. Yeah. So what 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 about Bigfoot? How does how does that come into play here? So a lot of people, <laughs> I know it's a crazy. Ah, trust me, it's crazy. <laughs> but they could be genetic experiments of, of the, the, you know, in the days of Noah, they were doing all kinds of weird things. Right. And a lot of people see all kinds of weird creatures, man. It's not just Bigfoot. They see, like, you know, um, uh, the dog man, the werewolves, right. werewolves, basically werewolves. They just yeah. call them, they, every nation or every his, his, history just has different names for all these creatures, right? So you have these weird polluted creatures, and some say that that's what the that's what they were doing in Genesis, and that's what they were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because they were doing the genetic experiments again. They were messing with his creation, and then the angels came in and said, "Get out, Lot! You know, get your get your family out of here because we're going to destroy this place again." Like How do you get that though? It just seemed like a bunch of dudes going around gangbanging young young men. Well, that's kind of like <laughs> you have to, you know, that's kind of the, the the maybe the nice Disney version of the story. But um, I mean, why else would God destroy an entire city? You know what I mean? Again, right. they think it was like a second incursion. They were trying to create the Nephilim again, and they were trying to create more giants. And then we were kind of past that point, and then God destroyed the city to destroy all that stuff. Right. Um, I haven't looked into that specifically, but it fits into the narrative. You know what sure. I mean? So do you feel with how big of a deal this is and that it applies everywhere on Earth, do you think or suspect that the government, American or any other country, have seen really weird things that they have no explanations for and they just aren't coming forward with it. And the reason well, I ask that yeah. is it does by that narrative does bother me a little bit because I know daggum well sure that there would be someone who would just be itching to break the news of something like that. Like I find it very hard to believe that a that all of this stuff could just be covered up. Things well, yeah yeah and i know that's where a lot of my friends this is where we get to, this is where they spend the, the juice of the conversation debating this idea like it sounds like conspiracy theory if that many people knew it wouldn't just stay hidden right yeah. well <laughs> okay so maybe we can talk about this when jesus says to, to peter get behind me satan i mean jesus is saying something specific like to uh to to peter peter's not actually satan right Maybe the spiritual world operates in our dimension in ways we just don't understand, right? Can Peter be controlled in that moment by Satan? 
Sounds like that's what Jesus is saying. He didn't yeah. physically transform into Satan, but Peter has some sort of mind speak. Satan's putting something into his brain or something, and he's just speaking out, right? I don't know. But it yeah. seems like the fourth dimension, if we're going to call the spiritual world the fourth dimension, influences the third, which is ours. We just don't, we can't see that. But they do things that influence us. So perhaps there is some influence to keep us on this non-spiritual trail that we're going down, this ra highly rational explanation. And they do have a scientific term to explain parts that don't fit into that narrative. They call it ooparts, out-of-place artifacts. Right. So if they find a bone, a giant bone, or they find something like an old weird piece of technology, they just set it aside because it doesn't really fit the narrative they're saying. And, 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 you know, science has been plowing along for 100 years doing a specific narrative. So it takes a lot it takes a Joan of Arc to turn the arc, to literally turn the wheel of that machine. Right. Because people are invested emotionally into this idea. This is how the world came to be, and this is how, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I was so, emotionally invested in my understanding of the Bible, and then someone literally picked it up, and, and I had to follow my conviction. Like, if this makes more sense, then this was probably more true, then my, my interpretation of the Bible might be wrong. My interpretation of science might be wrong. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of people are so emotionally invested in their ideas they can't turn around or even look left or right. Yeah. Now that Nate Henry has not only an understanding but also a belief in this sort of thing, is there any reason or uh, is there any reason that you should be motivated to convince people of this narrative like should you should you be trying to get other christians bought in on this like is it important to get people convinced of this for any reason because some things that i think about one being i know paul says at some point when it's when he's discussing how church services are supposed to be conducted or church gatherings, he says, be careful what you do in the presence of unbelievers. So obviously if, and it's, we're not going to be able to do this, but if, if the majority of Christians could be swayed into this narrative, I don't think it would make people be like, Ooh, Whoa, that's pretty cool. I'm going to be a Christian now. If anything, it would make Christians look mad. I mean, it just, it just, it just would. I mean, that's just how our society mad would. or just crazy. Crazy is what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy. So, crazy. so is there any purpose? Like, should you be trying to win Christians over with this? Well, I mean, I don't really care. I mean, that, to me, it's like if someone's if someone digs up something that that, that proves otherwise, are you going to be like, well, no one's going to like me because of this answer? Right. You know. I mean, you know what I'm saying. So it's like, I mean. Don't you want to know the story? Don't you want to make cohesive sense of what's going on? Or do you want to live in this mystery? And I think a lot of smart people do. It's much more fun to sit around and debate the mystery of life than actually have some more concrete answers about it, right? It's, yeah. much, it's much more fun to sit around, you know, the drink cocktails at the Christmas party with a bunch of scholars and go, what do you think about this idea? And this, right. and, well, I think this, you know what I mean? And it's just, we can sit around pubs and and debate things till, we, till we're blue in the face and not ever actually have to stick our feet in the sand and say, well, this is where we... This is what we believe. This is what's actually the truth of, 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 of the world. And so I think being a Christian is actually – it's something that's harder to do than people realize. It's saying you believe in a, a specific narrative of how life came to be, who created it, and why. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah, the more time barrels on, the more the science of the religion of science takes over and highly rational understanding of a, 
of this existence, the, the weirder Christianity will become. Yeah. And so what yeah. you have, you have progression, you have progressive Christians making little compromises with science and their scientific community. Like, okay, we'll give you evolution. You can have that one. But we can still be Christians, right? Yeah, you can. And slowly, it's just going to keep morphing. No, that's not actually true. God right. didn't actually say that. Well, maybe God is, you know what I mean? It's like the idea of Satan is just in our head or it's just the, it's just the explanation of all evil. He's not an actual entity roaming around. Right. You know what I mean? So I would say mm, that's not Christianity. Then you're kind of going into some other place because the Bible outlines the characters. And I know I sound like a traditional fundamentalist right now. And I still hold on to a lot of the, the, the progressive ideas that I learned the last 10 years. But, yeah. but, but you know, the first thousand years of, of Christianity, they had a totally different substitutionary. They didn't, they didn't believe penal substitutionary. Right. Atonement. They had a spiritual worldview explanation, atonement. They believe that right. Jesus picks a fight with the devil and literally drags humanity back from <laughs> the grip of it's a, it's a, it's more spiritual explanation. Yeah. And because that doesn't really make a lot of sense to us. We've now we've navigated to this other atonement theory. So I think the closer the ancients were to the reality of the day, the more accurate their their understanding of reality was. Yeah. So with with all this in mind, I've I've heard this and curious what you think about this and whether or not you've heard the same thing, but the place where Jesus says that the Antichrist would deceive even the elect if that were possible. Mm -hmm. I heard that the reason that is possible is because the Antichrist would be a demonic force posing as aliens that basically say, look, here's, here's the truth. You can see me. You can see all the power and all what I can do. We created you. Like you are a direct product of us, not this crazy higher power God that you've been reading about in the Bible or in your Quran. Or is is that something that you've heard as well? Well, that, dude, you just answered your own question you asked before. Like, why is this important for Christianity? There right. you go. That's why. Because when if I think it's a big bait and switch, right? Yeah, you set humanity up to believe nothing's spiritual. And then a guy comes out and starts levitating. And then tells the world that he created them. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, dude, it's 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 kind of getting humanity to believe nothing is spiritual, and yeah. then ultimately a spiritual being comes in the midst of all that and says, "I mean, you're just primed. You're ready for it, right? Yeah. We're red, yeah. blue, red, blue, red, blue, and then something fuchsia green comes flying out of the sky, and all of a sudden we just we're so polarized that we're just like, oh, what's this? Right. Right. And and the and the and you know they say the end times religion is a religion, so the atheists, the agnostic people, whatever they're gonna have they're gonna have to be believe in this thing, right? And it's gonna be you co you can only believe in something in this society if it's a there's physical evidence for it. So yes, I believe some physical spiritual thing is gonna happen, maybe not in our lifetime, but it sure as hell feels like technology and things are kind of at an apex like we're, our knowledge is increasing at a at a rate we can't right. even keep up with right so something yeah. something crazy like that could happen in our lifetime yeah and i will say and i have limited exposure of of this i had already mentioned chuck missler as one of the leading voices i think he's the the late chuck missler now but there's definitely a handful of proponents of of this narrative that rely on 
shock value and it really is almost theatrical with how they carry themselves and there is definitely a i'm gonna make money off of this and it does come across somewhat kooky i i think that is uh it's harmful for this sort of narrative to be bought into like how you discuss this to me that makes discussion way more um, something way more acceptable. I mean, you're, you're discussing something. You're not trying to shock people. You're not trying to get attention or anything like that. It's, look, look at the Bible. At least consider this. Well, yeah, but I, yeah. Yeah, you're right. There are people that are like, they're always going to be someone selling T-shirts. Right. For whatever movement. You know what I mean? And I think you're right. I think that is, that is a problem with shock value. But I mean, yeah. we do this with you know, science fiction, right? So I will say this, though. You have these, these people, like Scientology is supposedly the biggest UFO religion, right? So you have, and then they kind of come down. There's other one called, um, uh, it's called like Elohim or something. And literally, <laughs> the aliens that they believe in are called Elohim, which is a biblical. <laughs> right. Uh, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think that you have to understand that like people are going to turn away. And they're going to believe in UFO religions. The more the internet kind of brings all this knowledge to the surface, right? People are starting to go, "Oh man, shit's not what I think it is." Right. So I think, yeah, yeah. So Nate, is there any curriculum, books, or resources that you would suggest that's not coming from the kookiness sort of approach? Okay, so the so there's there was a bunch of rabbit trails I've found, but the best dude I've found on this subject. Name's Dr. Michael Heiser. He's wrote he wrote a book called The Unseen Realm, and he he lays out a lot of the stuff that I've that I'm talking about. I'm reading it right now, and I but I've listened to probably about a hundred hours of him on various podcasts. I literally just went down the rabbit hole and found him on any and everything from for the last six or seven years. It was online. I really wanted to vet the guy first and really before I was, before I got his book. Yeah, but his The Unseen Realm is all about this, and it's just saying, look, look at all the ancient. Books are saying the same thing. There's a spiritual explanation for things, and um, and I think he's pretty good at not going too crazy down the UFO trail or the aliens trail. But he's he's really good. He's really smart, and uh, and I think that he kind of kind of wraps things up. But man, I I just the the amount of close-mindedness this this hits, dude. It's just that hurts me because I really feel like. You know the the greatest trick the devil ever ever played was to make people think he didn't exist, and it just seems so obvious. Right. That, that that's what he's the best at. Right. That's what he's done. Right. Well, Nate, I just googled your name, and I see where you are actually having Bigfoot conference in 2020 this coming April. So. <laughs> I wish, man. You know what's hey, this- funny is is Bigfoot is is Bigfoot. I never understood what Bigfoot was in my life, and maybe that's what what it is because i've sort of lost a little interest in it but for a long time i couldn't figure out what it meant and what it was yeah but it opened my mind to see that maybe the world's not what i think it is and maybe there's there's these unseen things that i'm not connecting the dots with but yeah well this has been fun man thanks for thanks for the insight it really is it's a fun discussion to have for sure yeah i I would check out that guy dr michael heiser one more time and then um if you want to 
hit me up on Twitter at Nate Henry says with any ideas or thoughts or whatever. I might be starting a podcast about this stuff, so we'll see. Sweet. That'd be cool. All right, man. We'll definitely tell people about it if you do. Thanks, Joey. See ya. Later.